and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this The Darkest Timeline. I'm Lord Turned Orc, and with me as always is his shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going today, Axel? Um, my throat feels a little weird. I, I mean, I'm kind of still sick, but not terribly, but enough that my voice feels odd, so I apologize if my recording sounds kind of weird. I told you, Nurgle's never worth it. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of Nurgle, well, actually, first we had the Patreon sound off, so why don't you take us through that? As always, we start our episode by thanking the people that make this endeavor possible. They are our wonderful, wonderful patrons. They are Pam Galley, Marky, Orion McKinn, and Chris Chipman. Now, if you'd like to become internet famous, just like those fine, fine people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. It only costs you 25 cents an episode, and it goes a long way towards making this whole thing possible. So I want to get right into it. We're joined today by our pal Wretched. Pretty good, pretty good. Another uh, wonderful day. And if Wretched's here, then we're either reviewing something, apparently, or more likely we're talking Warhammer. And that's what we're doing. We're talking Warhammer. Ulrich's been trying to get this episode done for a while because he's been excited with his Warhammer obsession. And, but today we're talking about the Orcs. The green menace, the fungal, well, I don't know, I can't, no, I almost said the fungal fetish, but that that's a whole other part of 40k. I prefer the green tide. Orcs are my particularly chosen race. I'm not nearly as into Warhammer as Ulrich is, like I don't actually play the tabletop, but whenever I do play Warhammer games on, you know, PC and stuff, I, I choose the orcs. Why don't you start by just talking about why you're an orc guy? Well, okay, first of all, I think that, in my opinion, orcs are the most purest form of what Warhammer 40k is as a universe, right? Because it's called Warhammer. It's about war. It's about a fictional universe in which there's basically constant, unending, brutal, savage war. And the orcs are a species for which that is not like just a way of life, but the the way of life it is how they're it's in their very basic essence and core to wage war for no purpose other than to wage war you know and by that they feel the most pure to me so there's some esoteric on a more obvious and less you know thinky platform they're just cool i love the ramshackle way their technology all looks like nonsense i love that they're basically just big fungus people which is really neat i i love the design of some of their giant crazy like mechs or some of their mounts like squigoths and you know just very alien but very intense that's a good summary uh ratchet you want to give us a quick rundown on like what the orcs are for those of the people that are just tuning in for the first time and have no idea what we're talking about uh so the the good old orcs with a k uh well i mean axel did a really good job of basically describing them uh they are fungus they uh just go infect a planet and uh slowly grow and do what uh the old gods made them to do which is wage war that was their whole rundown that they existed to just go about uh getting rid of things in the universe and then uh kind of like greek gods the old gods went well we made this and now it's kind of spreading Eh. They'll deal with it. Seems like a real them problem. And uh, yeah, so now we have orcs that are running around. I'd also like to say that orcs are, I think, inarguably the funniest race in Warhammer. Because Warhammer 40k, for the most part, isn't a fun 
or lighthearted universe. And the orcs are not necessarily lighthearted because they are brutal and savage, but they're hilarious. Just they all speak in cockney accents and it's ridiculous. There's a reason why when people are playing the tabletop, apparently that even if they're not necessarily orc players, they will yell orc phrases at each other because it's fun. Oh yeah, like green is best. And not all of them are Cockney. Now we've got the uh, the freebooters that are literal orc pirates. And they will trade entire warships for hats. Yeah. <laughs> fancy hats, though. Not any hats. It has to be a fancy hat. Oh, yeah. Hat. Yeah, it has to be a fancy hat. But they'll do it. It's nuts. They're, they are a very, very interesting race. And I don't know anyone in Warhammer that doesn't like them. Yeah, they're kind of hard not to enjoy. They are a horde army on the tabletop and in the lore. But as I said, they're the fun army of 40k because just some of their lore. I mean, just the fact that they're a fungus. They produce spores and then nine months later, an orc pops out of the ground. Literally. <laughs> Not even necessarily nine months. But well, okay. So before we get a little bit of heads ahead of ourselves, uh, Wretched brought up that they were made by the old ones, which again, if you're don't actually know much about the Warhammer 40k, that's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. They're kind of like old gods, essentially, although the orcs call them the brain boys. <laughs> so the the old ones created also created the Eldar, who are the space elves, essentially. If you're a like a Starcraft player, think of you know how like the Zerg and the Protoss were like the mental and physical creations, right? Well, in a similar vein, the orcs and the Eldar are kind of like that too, because the Eldar were created to be, you know, the super intelligent, highly advanced, you know, psionic race, while the orcs were made to be their exact opposite, just this pure physical, you know, monstrosity that whose job, as Retro put it, was to do nothing but wage war. It's instinctual. It's built into their very core. So, yeah, they they spread. If they land on your planet, even if you repel the invasion, their spores will seep into the ground, and you're going to have to deal with orcs for as long as that planet exists. Basically, the humans, the space marines and stuff, have decided or have found that the only way to really eliminate orcs from a planet is to raise that entire planet and kill every living thing on it. Fire, the age-old cure-all. Just burn it all down. Yep. Well, I mean, the old ones had a good idea in making these. They just didn't realize that the Necrons would uh, do what Necrons do. Sleep for a long time. Yeah, and the funny thing is, the origin of the orcs are actually called the Corks, because Games Workshop and originality and names, which are even bigger, angrier orcs. Well, I mean, that depends because here, and one of the interesting things about orcs as a species is that their growth rate is extremely varying and extremely dependent on the level of violence that they are around. Like, for instance, the largest orc that's supposedly on record was a warlord called the Beast, who was apparently almost the size of like a titan. Now, there are some conflicting codex entries that say the Beast was actually six uh, other warlords that... We're all working together and we're each like, you know, 20 meters tall or something like that. But even by that measure, like those are huge orcs. So Yeah, and there's some debate in the community where those were really, you know, corks or what they were, or they were mega orcs, or I don't personally like the War of the Beast saga. It gets a bit too dumb because I just can't wrap my head around a Titan-sized orc. Okay, well, here, here's a better example. Well, I'll talk a bit more about this guy in the future, but Gazkul Thraka, who is the most well-known named orc 
in like all of orcdom led a war against tyranids on this planet and because tyranids which we haven't talked about but they're basically zerg on steroids because tyranids whole thing is absorb organic material and evolve and orcs whole thing is we get bigger and meaner the more violent the war is the way this war went on the Tyranids would eat and absorb the orcs and get bigger. So the war would get more intense. So the orcs would get bigger. So you literally had this war where both sides were just getting crazier and crazier. Eventually the orcs actually came out on top because of a guy's called Thraka, which is you know pretty cool. Oh, and the orcs are going to win it at some point because that's how they, they typically win is just battle of attrition one. And uh, orcs also, they're, they're basically war goldfish as long as they're in it. They're going to just keep getting bigger and bigger as long as they've got a big enough tank to grow. Yeah, and the scariest thing is, according to the most recent lore entry, the orcs left the planet. Like, they got tired of fighting, like, we're going to go somewhere else. So now there's just a group of orcs that have been fighting on a planet for centuries, just roaming the universe. Well, also, Gazkul Thraka has got visions of grandeur, so he's got a, you know plans for his wa. So <clears throat> that's actually cutting ahead a bit. So the the wa, which sounds like I'm just saying words out there, is actually a very important concept to orcdom in general, which is it means a lot of things. Wa is like a war. It's like a war band. It's also a name for the low-level psychic field that all orcs share. <laughs> you look ridiculous. Just, just silly. Like, Should we because... talk about wa energy real quick? Yeah so, yeah, so I mentioned before how the Eldar were the other creation. They were the super psionic and the orcs were the opposite. That doesn't mean that orcs don't have psychic powers. There are some orcs called uh, weird boys that are particularly connected to the warp and stuff. But in general, the only access to psionic energy that orcs have is that every single orc, no matter how young, how old, or where they are, is connected in some way to something called the Wa which, as I mentioned, they use for a lot of things. But it's a, a low-level psychic field shared by all orcs, and the more the more of them they are, there are in close proximity, the stronger it gets. And it is a, a field that warps reality. One of the most famous things about orcs is that basically, if enough of them in close enough proximity believe something, it will be true. The way this manifests most commonly is that they believe that if you color things certain ways, it will have certain effects. For instance, paint your cars red and they will go faster. Paint your missiles yellow, they'll explode bigger. Yep. Another thing that's really interesting about them is uh, when you described earlier how you really liked how their ships are just like scrap metal parts put together. No one can use any of the orc vehicles because they simply run off of the belief that they will work as well as their weapons. So not just anyone can like take an orc ship over and be like, Hey, we got a ship now. That's pretty cool. Cause it won't work. Yeah. Cause it's not actually based on any sort of technology logic. It is just junk thrown together that wouldn't work normally, except that the orcs believe that it will work. Yeah, my favorite example is if an orc took a gutter and attached a trigger to it and believed it was a machine gun, it would spit bullets. The bullets, no one knows where they come from. The trigger isn't connected to anything, but because the orcs think it does, it does. And that's kind of, you know, what people like about orcs, at least in, you know, modeling is you can slap anything together, you know, kit bash, what have you, and go, okay, that works. Also, this ties in, I think, very interestingly to their theology, 
which yes, the crazy like war banding green tie does have a religious belief system. They have two gods, Gork and Mork. And I feel like, you know, most people might ask, well, what about the old ones that created them? Don't they see them as gods? No, <laughs> those are the brain boys, not gods. But interesting about that, there is evidence to suggest that Gork and Mork do exist because Warhammer is a universe where basically all the gods exist because they're just immaterium beings, right? But because Orc Wa is entirely built on the idea that if enough orcs believe something, it's true. I am a proponent of the idea that Gork and Mork didn't always exist, but since all orcs throughout all the galaxy believe in Gork and Mork, that they willed them into existence, and then now they exist. See, and actually, if you get into some of the space marines, particularly the salamanders, Vulcan, their uh, their leader, right, has actually supposedly seen both of them, uh, Gork and Mork, and fought them before. So they do exist, at least as far as the Space Marines are concerned. Well, fun thing about the Space Marines, they were actually created more or less to fight the Orcs. Because when the Emperor went on his big grand campaign, for more on that, go look at our uh, Imperium overview, he realized humans just aren't going to cut it when I'm fighting, you know, eight-foot fungus monsters. Especially when they have flashlights to defend themselves. (laughs) Angry flashlights. So funny thing also about Gork and Mork to kind of cap off a bit with them, the distinction between these two gods, one of them is brutal but cunning. The other one is cunning but brutal. (laughs) And the Uh, orcs will argue and fight over who is who, which is kind of the other big thing about orcs. Orc society is constantly in a state of warfare because whoever, you know, is the biggest gets to be in charge. Well, the way I heard it recently that I really like is that orcs require warfare the same way humans require food. Like, it's a necessary part of their life. So if they don't have enemies to fight, they'll just fight each other because warfare is required for them to function. Yeah, because they, they they don't really have the ability to eat anything other than meat or themselves. So if they, uh, stop fighting or run out of things to fight they will just die off because it's built into them well as far as food goes there's also a hypothesis that their skin contains levels of algae that can photosynthesize hence why they're green yeah the the animal fungal symbiosis thing yeah which was i don't know that that's a a whole big thing where some people think that exists some people don't yeah it's it's a debate especially because like they're not plants, right? They can't be green normally, like because people thought they would photosynthesize because they're they're green and they're plant-like. But they're shrooms, they're mushrooms, which mushrooms actually don't photosynthesize. So now it's like, all right, well, there's algae in their skin, which that actually can work as algae is closer to fungus. It's a weird conversation. Orcs in general are weird, and it's largely because Games Workshop has never really explored them outside of you know just this unending tide of teeth and. Speaking of teeth, one of the one of my favorite interesting kind of concepts about orcs is that their main currency is teeth, T E E F, which yes is their actual orc teeth because they go through their teeth kind of like sharks. They you know they grow constantly, they fall out, they then use them for currency. And what this 
And because the teeth degrade over time, there's no point in stockpiling them. So, I mean, not that orcs would ever bother stockpiling things to begin with. It's not in their nature. Well, but, guns, bullets, <laughs> whoever's got the biggest shooter as they put. Yeah, but they're going to use that stuff like as quick as possible. Anyway, point is, though, the reason why teeth, teeth make an interesting capitalistic decision is that every orc then has a basic access to a certain level of currency, whether it's through their own teeth or they just go find some other orc and beat their face in and take their teeth. So, Well, you got the bad moons who are a specific clan of orcs and their teeth grow faster, so they get to be the fancy boy. Well, there's another thing that you brought up, which is the idea of clans, right? There are, uh, what, like six primary orc clans? Because while orc structure, orc societal structure operates usually in tribes, uh, and you can move from one tribe to the other based on basically who wins little skirmishes, your clan is more of a constant, right? right? Uh, and, and there are actually seven of them. Seven? All right, I was off by one. But you mentioned the the pirate one, the bootloaders. Uh, they're the freebooters. So free there are the free. Right. There are the freebooters who are basically just orc pirates. Uh, there's the blood moons that orc just brought up, which are the, basically the merchants of orcs. Uh, we got the blood axes, which were one of the first guys that ever encountered humans. So they like to dress like humans and learn human tactics. They, uh, yeah, they actually adopted some of the concepts of like retreat, retreating before you know have lost entirely, which is something they just saw from humans. So. And then they have the uh, the death skulls, which are basically like they're just looters. They just go around scavenging things. The evil sons, which are the go fast, committed to speed orcs. These are the guys that make like race cars and stuff. Just speed freaks. And then there's the goths, which are uh, like you like Ulrich was saying earlier. The the corks, which people are thinking that these guys are the most related to the original corks because the goths are the biggest. Uh, meanest orcs out of the group they typically they're typically just bigger and they they do nothing but close quarter combat and fight and then there's the uh for example oh, well for sorry. example guys cool thraka is a goth so right and then the last one is the the snake bites uh who worship the older ways of the orcs and they protect themselves with war paints which is where the the whole white is death kind of stuff came from as well as blue being lucky that all came from the snake bites and they're kind of the ones that originated the hey guys if we believe that this thing's yellow it'll blow up bigger isn't that cool nah they also have the biggest bestiary things like squigoths and squigs and all the great beastie squigoth for the record is like an elephant with a squid's face but much bigger <laughs> it's a big stampy thingy. Yeah, that's the best. That's how an orc would put it. So, and so between these are little red rubber balls of teeth and anger. Also a food source. True enough. So these clans, right? They're more like they're basically like what we would refer to as ethnicities, almost, because they don't actually have uh, you know command structure. Yes, there is generally like entire tribes that might consist of. A single clan but generally speaking because of how orc society works which is you know who's the biggest and the best and you know society quote unquote in the loosest possible terms 
there's a lot of mix and matching, uh, you know, within a single mm, collective. Yeah, typically you got a war boss at the top. And this is, well, let's say they reach what's called a wall, which I know we've used that a lot. Well, hold on, wall, before you get, because a wall is special. So when a wall is not going, then generally, yes, at the top of a collective is your war boss, which is going to be the biggest orc who is... Uh, asserted his dominance probably by crushing in the most skulls around him until all the orcs just get it, you know? Under him will be knobs, who are, you know, big and pretty mean, and they're like, almost like captains. Again, the idea of structure and command is extremely loose in orc society, but as close as they can get to it, this is what's going on with knobs. Basically, anything under a knob then is a different type of, you know, boy... Uh, like your, you know, your shooter boys, your chopper boys, your weird boys, burner boys, yeah, things like that. And then uh, at the bottom of your structure, you've got Gretchens, who are like closer to goblins than actual orcs. They're tiny and weak, and they fix things and do menial tasks. Yeah, because at this point, orcs share a lot in common with their Warhammer fantasy brethren where Gretchen are called Gretchen or Grotz in Warhammer, and they're just called goblins in Warhammer Fantasy. So the the, the difference in a wa is pretty subtle, at the same time not subtle at all, which is when orc numbers get large enough, they reach a, a critical mass, essentially. And this can happen for a lot of different reasons, whether it's because one particularly strong war boss is, you know, exerts his dominance, or it could be almost like an accident, like enough orcs just kind of congregate in one point. But essentially that psionic field uh, filled with violence and bloodlust reaches a point where it like it, it gains momentum of its own. It tips over and a wah starts. I, I feel like the best way to kind of ref- think about it is almost like a holy crusade of violence for violence's sake. That's so. a great description. Oh yeah, that's a that's a perfect way to describe it because uh, they they will start doing really uh, interesting stuff when a war starts. Let's go to other planets now. This seems like a good idea, uh, which typically isn't an orc idea. Usually they're like, well, there's a fight here. Why would I go somewhere else? But wars make them start thinking more, which is really interesting. Well, yeah, that's kind of the cool thing that they touched on in the Beast Arises is. The more orcs to get together and the stronger the WA field becomes, then you start getting more intelligent orcs. You get more mech boys, which are the builders. You get more weird boys, which are their psychics. You get more motivation. Like, I feel a sense to go out and punch something in the face, but it's not here. Also, in a WA, like, there's always going to be infighting because, again, warfare is just required. But a WA will generally make more of a sense of purpose and direction and generally speaking the orcs are you know directionless and their purpose is just to wage war but in a wa it will kind of focus them on non-orc targets in general <laughs> so and you start getting to see some of their really cool technology like the stompas which are basically like giant well not giant like you know 15 to 30 foot like mech things. They are effigies to Gork and Mork. Well, those are the Gorkonauts yep. and the Morkonauts. But they're all kind right. of in the same class. Well, Gorkonauts and Morkonauts are special versions of Stompas. Like, Stompas are any kind of, like, you know, humanoid-looking mech they create above a certain size. But once they reach, in a wad, generally, uh, you know, Gork and Mork worship is 
even more fervent, for lack of a better term. They create mechs that are so big and are painted as such that they are specifically effigies to those two gods. It helps drive the fervent violence of the Horde. Right. And at that point, they start thinking that uh, some of them start thinking that that's actually a physical representation of their god, which is why they can make things that can deal with a titan, which is insane. Also, it's hilarious if you look at how these mechs are operate compared to any other species, because like, let's take, you know, obviously humans, right? Uh, and the Imperium, you look at one of their giant mechs, it's going to have, you know, a more violent version of what is essentially, you know, like a Star Trek bridge crew kind of thing where it's like, oh, we've got, you know, a high technology, we've got a command structure, we've got, you know, programs that tell it to do this and that. But if you were to cut a orc mech, like a big stop, a gorkonaut in half and look at the, the cross section, it looks like an old, like steampunk, like 1850s kind of steamship where there's like one orc at the top and he just yells stuff down to basically the Gretchens that are like throwing coal into fires and, you know, doing pulleys and shit. It's, it's ridiculous and awesome. Yeah, no, uh, I was reading a book recently where this and Space Marines got inside an orc gargant and, you know, they're looking around, there's little speak brass speaking tubes and the orc captain was wearing a cap. So a gargant is even another level. It's basically a moving fortress. Like a gargant's like take a small castle and put wheels on it. <laughs> That's what a gargant is. And again, these things should not work structurally. They are, you know, they just hammer sheets of metal on and call it armor and somehow it works which is again kind of why everyone loves the orcs it works because they think it i am also of the opinion well it's actually also kind of accepted within the warhammer 40k universe that if there was a force that could get all of the orcs to work together and like you know for a single purpose there's really no force that could stop them the only reason they haven't taken over the galaxy is because of their nature at you know fighting each other and outside of a wall they basically just stick to their own planets and they don't have higher aspirations or higher goals but there's so many of them they reproduce so quickly they're so violent and brutal that if you could get all of them together the green tide could not be stopped the only other force in warhammer's universe that kind of matches them by that term is the tyranids right and uh i mean and that was kind of the original idea when the when the old ones were making them because of the necron because the necron were such a you know big pain to deal with it kind of became one of those well how do we keep the robots down make these things yeah and i mean the war of the beast was kind of exactly proved what happens if enough orcs get going together I mean, they killed the Primarch, they destroyed a chapter of Space Marines, they invaded Terra, they really fucked shit up. And that's why right now, in the in the present of the Warhammer universe, quote-unquote, whatever that means based on codexes, Gaskul Thraka is super exciting because... So, Gaskul Thraka was originally just this goth, you know, soldier, the shooter boy, I think. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but... He got shot in the head by a bolter, which is an Imperial weapon that is not to be fucked with. And it blew up part of his brain and like the right side of his skull. And he managed to stumble his way to a, a dock, which is what they call orc uh, surgeons, quote unquote. If you yeah, can... Don't forget the quote unquote around the whole mad dock. Yeah, right. 
because the the medicine quote unquote that docs work with is more like experiments so you'd look better if you had a chainsaw for an arm yeah, yeah exactly the the uh the evil dead method of just eh, we'll just strap this mecha arm on that'll work yeah so so god school got to this doc who basically just replaced the broken parts of skull with like adamantium plates which is a thing that exists in the warhammer's universe i found out recently and gave him a bionic eye a big red one and now afterwards he got this vision of like the greatest wah ever and to him he was getting this vision directly from Gork and Mork. You know, you can argue, well, part of his brain got exploded, so who knows what he was really, you know, the real point of that. But it doesn't really matter because that vision gave him purpose and power. He proceeded to start beating down every orc war boss around him until eventually he create he started a wa. And now when a wa starts and a war boss the, the war boss is biggest and meanest and basically runs it, they become a warlord is the new term for them so yeah by the way wretched do you remember the name of that orc that disappeared into corn's realm i don't but i do remember that uh he is one of the only orcs that were ever to have an effect on chaos because turns out that you can't really uh make uh orcs commit heresy because they don't care enough Oh yeah, that's actually another great thing. About, so generally speaking, we, we talked about in the Chaos episode, which was like our first episode, that generally speaking, if you use the warp to have psychic powers or to travel faster than light, you're subjecting yourself to the powers of chaos. You know, demons, corruption, heresy, all that good stuff. There are very few races in the universe that basically don't have anything to fear from the corrupting power of chaos. And the orcs are one of them because orcs don't have ambition. Orcs don't have desire, really. They just operate on instinct and war. So there's nothing that the chaos can offer them to corrupt them. Yeah, like I love how orcs travel through the warp. Typically races have a force field or something to protect them. Orcs just punch their way in and then fight their way through and then punch their way out the other side going, that was fun. Well, yeah, like to continue the story of uh, Gazgul, once he basically got the entire planet under his one wah, they were like, all right, well, we want to go to other planets now, but we don't have enough flyers. What do we do? And Gazgul was like, Gorkinwok will provide. And like days later, a space hulk, which I... I can't even comprehend necessarily how big a space hulk is, but it's like an ancient ship the size of like a large city. They vary in size. Yeah, but a space hulk came out of the warp like right in orbit, right? And the and Gaskell's like, there we go, and got a mass exodus of orcs off the planet to invade the space hulk, which considering the space hulk was in the warp, it was filled with demons and tyranids and and stuff like that. And so after they basically exterminated um, all the demons and close literally it's described that there was a portal at the center of the Hulk that demons were pouring out of and that Gaskell closed it by headbutting it. If that doesn't sum up orcs, I don't know what does. Yeah. So once, once they eliminated all the demons on the ship, they then took it back into the warp and then were just there for like years because they couldn't control where they were going. But since they were in the warp, they were constantly being assaulted by demons but they just fought them all off and just kept on killing them until finally the Hulk came out above a 
a human hive planet called Armageddon, which is aptly named considering what follows. Yeah, Armageddon, that's a if you are interested in any of the stuff we've talked about, go read up on Armageddon. That's just a really cool story. Oh yeah, it is it is fantastic. And uh sorry to pivot a little bit. I did remember the guy's name. It was Tuska. And Tuska, the reason that he's awesome is not only did he go into Korn's realm with the brass citadel, but he was so awesome that uh he started calling himself the demon killer got all the way basically up to the throne, uh, fought one of Korn's bloodletters and killed him. Korn thought he was so awesome that he's like, go ahead and spread some spores so now my bloodletters can fight orcs so we've got a constant generation of war here in my realm. That's right. Yeah, no. I love that. I'm going to have to read up more on Tuska. I didn't know about Tuska Demon Killer. He's awesome. And again, that just kind of epitomizes the orc psyche of Huh, that's a god of war. I'm going to punch it in the face. What's yeah. another thing, too, is that orcs actually recognize and respect other cultures' war gods. Like, for instance, the emperor of humans, they just see him as a as a warlord, but, like, he, the human's warlord because he's got effigies everywhere. They find him confusing because in their own uh, way of thinking, he has them do not war stuff and they don't understand why he would have them do not war stuff but they respect his power right they still respect him because he's a leader of warriors so it makes sense to me that orcs would also respect beings like corn as well considering you know that corn is probably the closest thing to the purest form of god in warhammer being the the blood god <laughs> right anyway I won't go into the whole details. Like I said, if you want to read up into Armageddon, it's a great story. And But Gazgul lands. He proceeds to take over several of the you know the big cities because on Hive Worlds, they get these cities that are like miles and miles tall. It's crazy shit. But he ends up getting kind of stopped in his tracks by one human with a power claw that actually the orcs respect. And... Oh. Real quick, we gotta talk about Commissar Yurik, who is the one you're referring to. Yeah, oh so, my God. yeah, Commissar Yurik is amazing. Yeah, Commissar Yurik has a cybernetic eye, which is glowing in red, and he convinced the orcs that it's a death eye, and they believe it because that's how orc psychology works. So they believe if he looks at you with his death eye, you die. And Yurik's one of those humans that he has a very distinguished career, but. Just like, you know, because it's the Imperium, right? His own people are afraid of him because he has a tendency to, you know, shoot people who displease him. <laughs> Again, go back and watch our Imperium episode for a brief overview of the Commissariat. Point is, though, that Gazkul is taking over city after city, and then finally he hits Yarrick City, which is called Hades, I think, and Yarrick repels him over and over again until the Space Marines, I believe the Blood Angels to be specific, Show there up. was a whole bunch and, that showed up, but that just tells you how big a threat a wa is. Yeah, it was uh, it was so impressive that they actually gave him a bane blade. Yurik has his own bane blade, which is a gigantic tank that's the size of a city. Just here you go. Wow. So at the the last like battle, right? The Gazkul's forces were basically entirely decimated, and he was probably going to die. And then debates on what happened next is you know happened but according to the orcs 
the hand of Gork and Mork came down and plucked Gazkul from the field for a greater purpose. You know, detractors would say he ran, but they usually get, you know, killed for their uh their insubordination <laughs> or whatever you want to call that, their lack of faith. So what what I love about this part is that after Gazkul disappeared, um Yarek was like saying to the space marines who came, you need to track down this warlord and you need to kill him. He will be a problem. And the, the Marines were like, eh, we don't think he's a problem. I mean, work warlords who fail at their wall never get followed again. We're not going to worry about it. This was a mistake. <laughs> a large mistake. Because Ga- like cockroaches. Yeah, but specifically, Gazkul, yes, at first, some people didn't want to, or some orcs didn't want to follow him. He killed them until eventually he got his wall up and running again. <laughs> so his, his campaign following, he just keeps on fucking up Armageddon until eventually, I don't know all the details. It's been a while since I read Gazkul's full story. I know up to this point very well because of a video I watched recently that I'll talk about later, but eventually Gazkul ends up going to the the planet where the orcs are fighting the Tyranids. And what is the, the giant worm-like Tyranid? Do you know the name? Worm-like Tyranid. Uh, not off the top of my head. Well, because I know I was reading a story about one of them like tearing its way through orc front lines and then oh, gas i know what you're talking about give me a second yeah but then Gaskul was eaten by it and then just tore his way out and killed it but the reason i tell that whole story in general is because when when Gaskul says he's the prophet of gork and mork on two separate occasions he was close to being killed and was basically teleported away by Gork and Mork, so like that further it's evidence called, that they uh, Trigon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, so uh, Trigon is actually one of them. They're called uh, they're called Bollocks as a race. That's right. Uh, but Trigon is one of them. Yeah, they're called uh, they're called Bollocks, and they're basically like what happens if you let uh, Gene Stealer just kind of continuously grab things and get bigger and bigger and then it goes down underground and hibernates and then comes back up as this giant worm that can swallow huge amounts of cities and then it just gets bigger and bigger because tyranids are horrifying creations yeah i'm i'm pretty sure i don't have the document in front of me but i remember reading that yeah gaskul cut his way out of one of those and killed it so so I, I love Gaskell. He's like my favorite fiction. He's my favorite named character in Warhammer's universe. So, and he desperately needs a new model on the tabletop. Yeah, as far as the actual tabletop model is concerned, his main ability is not dying. Like he's not stronger than many other of the the similarly you know rare like models, but his special abilities are all about he doesn't die. <laughs> Well, he just needs a new model because he's kind of dinky now, and he's should be he's huge, and he should be huge, and he should be one of those models that when your opponent puts it on the table, you're like, ah, oh, hell. Right, and I mean, at least they're they're getting towards it. I I definitely think that they're making a good step in the right direction, getting you know more away from the the metal models and making them bigger and kind of just better looking in general. They're definitely clearing out the backstock old models because this edition orcs got a huge boost to the whole cult of speed with a bunch of speed freak stuff, which is awesome and hilariously neat. Oh yeah. Now 
Now, as a as a counterpoint to all of this that we've said, there are actually orcs, especially in the was it the what's the the trading clan? I'm sorry, the names get jumbled up. Uh, the Blood Moons or the Merchants? Yeah, okay, the Blood Moons, especially the Blood Moons. But there are orcs that will trade with other races like humans. It's not very common, but it does happen. Every once in a while, you get a smart orc, or the, you know they decide to take on a mercenary game. Yeah, that's another thing. Some orcs will be mercenaries for other races. It's not very common, but it does happen. <laughs> Sometimes yep. they need a fight. Uh, a lot of times uh, the Eldar are the ones that are employing them, because why would we send Eldar when we can send orcs? Also, we can trick orcs into doing it for shiny things. Yeah, that seems to be a common Eldar tactic in the lore. It's like, you know, we need to go on this planet. Let's just send the orcs and we'll kill which is a, a double win for them, because when the Imperium comes over, they're like, what? We didn't do anything. It was the orcs. You know, <laughs> orcs being orcs. What dicks. <laughs> I, I hate the Eldar, so... <laughs> oh, yeah, the space elves are the worst. Yeah, that'll be a fun episode. Okay, another important thing to, to bring up is that all of this might indicate to some people that the orcs are evil, but that is not accurate the orcs are more like a force of nature right they're not malicious or cruel they're savage and brutal and that distinction might be subtle but they're not out to like torture people or you know yeah, sometimes they do yeah generally more, speaking they're more like kill just kill so yeah it's mostly the mad docs that do the weird experiment yeah, but my point is, in general, right, like, you can say that the chaos are objectively evil, depending on whatever your moral definition of evil is. We're not going to get into that philosophical debate. You mean but, the guy with the flaming skull that's, you know, skull-raping Fred isn't a nice guy? I'm just saying by the moderate, or by the, the generally accepted definitions of good and evil, chaos is evil. Uh, the Dark Eldar are evil. The orcs are more like a just... Uh, they're a force. They're neutral, yeah, really. Control. They're not good or... Yeah, they're not good or evil. They just do what their instincts tell them to do. It's not malicious. Right. And, uh, I mean, there, there does seem to be a pattern with that with other races as well. Like, we're not sure still if the Necrons are evil. The same thing with the Tyranids. The Tyranids, they don't really have a reason to do what they do other than they just do it. Like, they want to survive. It's nature. That's what they do. It's not evil for eating. Just has to eat. Yeah, orcs and Tyranids kind of fall into that same camp. It's a force of nature that, you know, you see coming, you're like, ah, I'm going to go on vacation. Here's, here's the thing, though, that for me puts the orcs one level above the Tyranids. The Tyranids, to the best of our understanding, and everything I say about the Tyranids, that's quote-unquote there, but like you said, their modest operandi, their purpose is survival. They're the closest species in Warhammer 40k that is like, you know, a you know, big, well-known species to being just animals. They have a hive mind, but generally speaking, the reason why they do things seems to be survival. They're collecting biomatter because they need it to survive, right? Orcs, though, their purpose is itself war, war for war's sake. And that one distinction is what puts them a little higher for me. And I think that's why people like playing. Like, I ask people, like, why do you play orcs? And most of the thing, because they're fun, because they're simple, because I know their motivation. True, and on the tabletop, they definitely are fun, because nothing's, nothing's as good as walking up to a guy and dropping a bucket full of dice at him. 
That's yes. no exaggeration at this point. Isn't it literally you also will like fill you have the generally the most pieces on the board when you're playing orcs? Again, I don't play the actual table. Oh yeah. Uh War of Attrition. The same thing that we said earlier. You dump that bucket of dice and half the time you go, I don't want to look through half of them. I'm pretty sure I hit it. <laughs> Probably. Orcs on tabletop really are law of average because most of them you're using a D six, so you're hitting on a five or a six. And you're casting 600 die. Eventually, you know, some of those are bound to be sixes. <laughs> yep, uh, at least a hundred by that math, actually. So no, the scariest thing this edition they gave the orcs a psychic power that would let you transport a weird boy and a band of orcs directly behind your opponent. Scary. And I just imagine, you know, that from a lore perspective, you know, your guardsmen are all in trench, like, don't worry, boys, we can take the orcs. They they got to get through all these lines of trenches and machine guns. We'll be good. And then, boom. Oh, well, goodbye. So playing in Dawn of War, Dark Crusade, which is my favorite Warhammer thing that I've done, my favorite orc unit are the Flash Gits, which are... Are big orcs with machine guns that just flash constantly, hence the title. Flash gets are fun because their whole thing is they're orcs that became obsessed with getting the biggest shooters, the flashiest shooters. And in that game, it also kind of illustrates the the concept we're talking about. That so you look in that game and how that works is it, whatever your base unit is. Well, this is true for all units. We'll talk about base units. Like you've got a squad essentially. It's an RTS that's based on squads. And that squad itself can like build more units within the squad up to a, a maximum point. Like you take the Imperium and you get a squad of like eight people in it, and that's you know your your unit squad essentially. That the same equivalent level of unit on the orc side, which are Chapa boys, uh, can have like eighteen uh, individuals in the unit before it's full. <laughs> so. You end up with a lot more orcs in general and just swarm your enemy. Well, again, orcs, like one of their favorite things is the sound of their shooters, which they refer to as daka. And if you ask any orc player, there's never enough daka. Yes, they are, they are known to just fire them to hear the noise, even into their own ranks. They are a gloriously simple race, and I think that's why everyone kind of loves them. I will say that at least I found I say this in Dawn of War and I found out this is actually also very true in the tabletop but going through the campaign in Dawn of War for the orcs there's one level that on the highest difficulty I can't beat because you don't get to build anything you get a set number of orcs and you have to fight the tau and just take out their entrenchment and the tau are like specifically designed to deal with orcs because orcs like to get in close and chop things with machetes, and their shooters aren't very ranged, and Tau are all, like, sniping assholes. And apparently this same principle tends to be true on tabletop as well. Well, that's because the Tau are stupid. Fuck it. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, set this turret on the side of the table, and uh, go ahead and place wherever you want. Deploy wherever. I can still hit you. It's fine. This is fine. Yeah, thankfully they got nerfed this edition, but last edition, I think we've talked about it. If your opponent put down a Tau army, you just packed yours up and went home. Yeah, like if you weren't if you weren't playing Necron, like don't bother. It's not worth it. Doesn't doesn't our friend Rels play orcs on tabletop? Uh he plays orcs on tabletop, yeah. So we actually know someone who does. I I mean, I would I would do it if I had 
the opportunity. I could probably find a Warhammer group here in my town, but I've listened to Ulrich talk about the level of commitment, time, money, and I just don't have that right now. So Yeah, it's uh especially Orc Army. Orcs are cheaper per model, but you also need lots of them, not to mention buckets to carry your dice. Also the paint. Oh man, like you only have to paint them green, but so many of them to paint. If you're a true yeah. orc army, you gotta paint a lot of things red and yellow and blue as well. So just because Right. But oh man. Yeah, this this is another reason why we play demons. I got a friend. One army works for everything. Yes, demons especially. I got a friend. He plays uh, orcs, and I'm trying to convince him he needs to paint some of his orcs look like they got splashed in white paint and then walking around like they're zombies because I'm convinced that that would be a viable tactic when fighting orcs. Just throw white paint on them because they associate white with death. Well, yeah, if you can get them to believe. Yeah, but I've seen orcs uh, in official documentation with, like, white hands on kind of like Orkai, you know, from Twin Towers. I, I feel like that was the reference, but I thought that the intent, at least in lore, was that uh, they're going in, like, knowing that death is part of what they're going into, and that's why uh, the belief comes there. Some of them works too much credit. Yeah, some of them, you could see it that way. Others, a lot of times war bosses will have the, the white skull, the iconic white skull painted on them to symbolize that they're the boss man. Like, there's there's a lot of stuff. It depends on the orcs that you're talking to in question, right? So, uh, orcs said could work if you can convince them. Like, you know, it's uh, like, also, it's, it's acid. Like, I'm throwing acid at you. And if they all believe it's acid, well, orc, orc logic states it's acid. Also, right, an orc, right, a basic orc, if you look at their physiology, looks kind of like a, you know, Warcraft orc. It's just this big green muscly dude but you look at a war boss or a warlord and they usually have you know parts replaced with like power claws they're in usually giant mech suits one of the most common things are iron jaws where orcs will just basically put big ass iron like teeth around their whole lower jaw so they look almost like cyborgs most of the time well that's the thing about orcs they are so physically tough they can literally bolt plates of steel onto them and still survive in fact, if you do not destroy an orc's brain, they can regenerate and come back to life. Well, as Gaskul shows, even destroying most of an orc's brain doesn't necessarily mean that they'll stop functioning. Because the old ones developed them for function, for practical function to wage war. So most of an orc's body can be destroyed, and they can still keep on coming after you. <laughs> yeah, orcs are both terrifying and hilarious, and it's only their general incompetence that has kept them from taking over the universe. I don't know if incompetence, more like um, infighting, <laughs> I would say. Yeah, infighting is a good one. Uh, well, I would say, I would also say lack of motivation, because without a wall, like we previously stated, they don't they don't tend to look at the big picture. It's just kind of like, hey, I can fight here. Why not? Yeah, I just, they, I don't think they can conceive of at that level when they're in the small groups. They just can't conceive of anything past that. Which is, again, kind of cool about orcs. They get smarter the more of them there are. It's still funny when it comes to their uh, their tech, though, that even the odd boys, they uh, they don't know how to make things. They just get gut feelings and put it together. And that's why none of their vehicles are ever the same. Yeah, they've been known to just smash metal together. and then, Well, the best example is what Ulrich said earlier. They could literally put a gutter next to a trigger, and it'll work if they believe it. So why, 
they just smash metal together and you know see what it does so i think that pretty much covers yorks i mean do you guys have anything else you want to say i i will say that again i feel like orcs are one of those races that because of how they're constructed in the warhammer universe and the warhammer universe is built around the idea that humans have been in even though they had the largest empire they've been in decline the tower like the youngest empire but they're growing the necron are coming back and one arm of the tyranid hive is here so there's like crazy shit going on orcs strike me as the logical end point though because chaos can basically you know corrupt most of the other races uh, but even if all orcs are basically destroyed they'll come back like millions of years in the future. I feel like orcs are still going to be there because that's their big claim to fame. They don't stay down. They don't stay dead. The, the only theoretical way they could go is if like every single orc planet, a planet that has any orcs on it was raised. And at this point, how many planets in the Warhammer galaxy are infested with orcs. That's just not feasible in anything resembling practical time so if if there is a end-all be-all winner quote-unquote to the warhammer universe i would put my money on the orcs oh yeah even looking chaos like chaos even realized that the orcs are kind of why bother so that'd be one of those well we can't really infect those so we'll just leave as for the necrons i have no idea what they're doing because well that's been the necrons in the lore Thanks, Games Workshop. Yeah, pretty much. So that's my concluding statement anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll just say, if you like what we said, if you like painting lots of little figures, if you like a fun army, play Orcs on the Tabletop. They're a lot of fun. They're really good this edition. And they really are an army that inspires creativity. I once saw a guy build a tabletop, you know, standard, like looked identical, Stompa out of a Mr. Potato Head and spare orc bits. I love it. That is absolutely fantastic. And that is the opinion of the orcs. So let's go ahead and move on to our suggestions of the week. All right, I will I will start us off because it's extremely relevant. In order to kind of bone up on orc stuff, I've I've in the past done like extensive, you know, six to seven hour dives into orc lore on the codexes, but uh, in order to prepare for this recording, I was like, all right, I'll just refresh myself. I'll go find like a good video. Now, in the past, I've had a hard time finding Warhammer videos that presented themselves well, that weren't like really dull because no offense to a lot, but some people just don't know how to how to do good presentation. But Wretched actually recommended uh, he sent me a link to this like hour long video on orc culture by a channel called Leuten 09. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It's like L U E T I N 09. So I watched, yeah, I watched that video and it was very good. And it gave me the the brush up on that I needed. And then I watched his uh, half an hour video on Tyranids. I started watching his video on like chaos and he's got this like 30 some video playlist on just various historical things on warhammer and his presentation is very good like he's he's very entertaining and i would say if this kind of stuff that we're doing interests you he has a lot more of a polished kind of put it the information in you know a more structured kind of point videos and I, i'd highly recommend checking him out oh yeah definitely and uh he also he gets a lot of the new indexes as well, so he updates those videos pretty regularly. Like he's he's a good source of information. So that's my suggestion. 
All right, well, I guess I'll do mine next. As I've talked about, you know, both in this episode and I don't know previously, there's a lot of outdated models, shall we say, in Games Workshop's library. Some of the best examples are their demons, um, especially for Slanesh. Now, many of you know, Slagathor plays Slanesh, but Slanesh doesn't have any cool big demons. So we went around and found this awesome third-party modeling site called Creature Caster, who makes some of the most badass models for demons I have ever seen. And the best thing is they're not specifically Warhammer. You could totally use using your D&D campaign. But I got her, you know, one over Christmas. The price is great. The res the cast of the resin is awesome. And the customer service is incredible. So if you are like me and you play Warhammer and you're like, man, I wish I had some bigger, better models. Or you're like, you know, this D&D game is great. But we really need is a giant demon from the eighth dimension. Go to Creature Caster. All right. Uh, Wretched, do you have a suggestion for us? Uh, yeah. Um, lately, I've just been playing a lot of Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, if you like MMOs, it's it's fantastic. They've been doing great, great work putting in uh, content updates almost monthly now. They got another big expansion coming out. This has uh, been one of the more... I play a lot of MMOs. This has been one of the more enjoyable ones that I've played in a long, long time. You know, as someone who was a big Final Fantasy fan growing up, I remember being personally negative amounts of interest in a Final Fantasy MMO. I understand the appeal, though. But I remember when... 14 came out i was living with a guy who was very much in mmos like he played you know rift and world of warcraft and all eve online just like every mmo and he was extremely disappointed with 14 but that was like years ago so the fact and i remember hearing that 14 was a disappointment but it sounds like you're saying that they've managed to fix it quote unquote with very recurring content updates and that's very nice yeah. to hear so uh there there is a reason that they called their uh their 2.0 release freaking an, a realm reborn because when they changed from final fantasy 14 to a realm reborn they fixed the entire game to the point where when patch uh one was actually dead the game was basically stalemated they had bahamut show up and in real time dropped a moon on the world and killed everybody and then two months later re-released the game and it was fantastic and it's only been getting better i'm glad to hear it i always want to hear things that learn from their mistakes and get better. <laughs> I also like that, you know, they just dropped a moon and started over. Oh yeah. No, it, that, that was my favorite part. The fact that they just in front of the whole player base are just like, yeah, we're just going to go ahead and nuke everybody with this moon. Okay. Bye. That's how you get rid of orcs. <laughs> it's ballsy. Uh, yeah. sir. I mean, that's, that's a good way. Exterminate us the planet. The moment you see them, just, well, it's kind of what the space Marines do anyway. Or want to take us out. <laughs> Yeah, first we'd like to thank Wretched for coming on and talking 40k with us. Yeah, no problem. Anytime, guys. I don't have no idea what the next one's going to be. I haven't heard, but I, I don't know. Maybe we'll do Tyranid, or maybe we'll bitch about the Tau. Maybe we'll finally bitch about the Eldar. We'll find something. You mean rant about the Tau? Oh my god, I hate the Tau so much. Point is, we'll find some reason, excuse to bring it back. <laughs> All right. As always, thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe because every day the YouTube algorithm gets And if you're listening to us on YouTube, well, thank you, first of all. But you can also listen to us on SoundCloud where there's no ads and you can download us and listen to us without having to sit and stream, you know? Plus, if we get enough views on SoundCloud, then we'll be considered real boys.
I think I use that phrase all the time now. It's just become my catchphrase. As always, this has been Lord Commander Auric. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.